It's after yeah, yeah. after the flood. After the flood, we were told we could eat meat. And there's a lot of wonder about why we could. And there's I've heard some people talk about how um, they, like the Eastern Eastern mysticism. Most of those people are vegetarians, and that 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 like maybe meat in the diet like actually makes you less susceptible to to demonic like. Uh, like you know, uh, uh, attention. I don't know. That's which is a weird idea, right? Yeah. But but the thing is that post flood, see pre flood, we we were dealing with the nephilim and and you know all this stuff where the that humans and spiritual forces were like face to face on a regular basis, like it was a part of life. And post flood, God was. The whole point of the flood was to end that, was to separate humanity and and the angelic and 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 to wipe clean the earth from this primary sin of humanity, which was this like adherence to demonic leadership. So um, after the flood, God said, "Oh, by the way, now you can eat meat." So I think there's an interesting it's it's an interesting thing. Who knows? I, I'm not saying this is what the Bible says, but I think it's interesting. Um, it's also true that the world was most likely much colder after the flood than it was before, and a higher fat content in your in your body actually uh, enables you to be warmer in colder climates. So <clears throat> who knows? It might have been either one of those. It's, interesting to ponder all it's fun to think about. Yeah. Sorry, what exactly is the next one? Genesis chapter six. Okay, right before the flood, it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days when the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and went into them and married them and had children by them, and the children were the Nephilim. So now there's there are there are Bible scholars that will tell you the sons of God are the children of Seth, the line of Seth, which is what all of us are, and that the and that the children the children of men were were uh, uh, Cain's children. But that doesn't really make any sense at all. Because why would their children become giants? Um, there was obviously something weird happening here, and it was demonic infiltration of the human genome uh and my my belief is that it was a, a specifically planned attack of the enemy to try and 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 uh uh pollute the human uh genome completely so that there was nobody left on the earth that was purely human because God had promised that it was from a human line that the Messiah would come so if the enemy knows, uh-oh, these humans are going to produce one who's going to crush my head, that's what God had promised, then maybe I should eradicate humans. And there's a couple ways to do that. One is he was inciting them to crazy violence. The Bible says that their thoughts were always evil all the time. So there was that. So maybe they would just fight each other until they all died. Or number two would be to pollute the bloodlines so that there wasn't even a pure human left. A pure human man, a pure human woman left to create a child that could have the Messiah or create the Messiah. Yeah. I was say, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the Book of Enoch. It's yes. Like not, not, 
no. The Book of Enoch is fascinating. Have you read it? Yeah. It's Reading it's it com- in, in incredibly confusing to read, yeah. honestly. <coughs> but it talks all about this. It's really what it's all about. That's what, because I was like doing like a study on like apologetics, and then I like came across that, and then I was confused because it said like the angels like, fell from heaven and then changed, mm-hmm. and like you said like the demonic, like they're trying to like yeah. glorify you. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of that's in the Book of Enoch. Okay. Um, There's a specific kind of angel called a watcher that chose to rebel against God yeah. by uh, mating with humans. And they knew God was going to punish them for it. And God did punish them for it, according to the book of Enoch. The thing is, the book of Enoch is quoted a couple times in the New Testament. So we know that... The whole idea of canon really didn't even come about until 300 years after Jesus. So um, the, the biggest problem with it is that we don't know that we have the actual book of Enoch. Um, there's not good, even though we have pieces of it from the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is definitely the oldest, because that's the book of Enoch that would have been right around the time Jesus was here. So that's likely the real thing, but they just don't know. And because we set the canon, uh, at the Council of Nicaea, um, you know, we said, these are the books. These are the ones that are testified to by the leadership of the church from all over the world as having been inspired by God. Okay, so these are the ones that we hold and we say, yes, everything in this is truth. Uh, God inspired these works. There are other books that might be true, but we don't count them as inspired. Enoch is one of those. There's several others. There's the book of Jasher. There's the book of Jubilees. There's, there's, you know... uh, that are all older, and some of them are actually referenced within Scripture, um, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're inspired. So, I mean, Paul quotes Greek uh, poetry on several occasions, so we can't say, well, that means the Greek poetry is inspired. No, that's not what it means. It just means they're referencing a book that everybody in the, in the time, in the time would have, underst- would have uh, understood. Now, Jude points back to it points back to things in the book of Enoch as if they were truth. So that's a difference in just quoting. He's actually saying, well, this is going to be like this because it says in the book of Enoch this. And so there's reason to think that perhaps the book of Enoch has some truth to it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, can read it just because it's interesting. I wouldn't spend time studying it or, I just, that, you know, I just don't know that it's, well, Enoch also said in the in the preamble of the book, it says that this book is meant for the last time, last days generation. And there's a lot in the book that makes it that that it, it sounds like the activity that John describes by the Antichrist and by the spirit of Antichrist at the end of the age. So the thought is, well, we know for a fact the Watchers were. Uh, were um, uh, put in prison for us, according to the Book of Enoch. Now, this is not Bible. This is the Book of Enoch, but it says that the Watchers, these angels that were that had done these things with humans, 
we're going to be locked up in prison for a certain number of generations until the end days. And then in the book of Revelation, you see a star that falls from heaven that goes down that unlocks the bottomless pit and releases demonic beings. Okay, so that's probably this. Does that make sense? So there is a, in the end times, there will be a, uh, a level of demonic activity that the earth has never seen before. And I believe that is, that is probably, I mean, that like, that, 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 that is connected with every kind of demonic activity we've ever seen, including the possibility of more human angel hybrids in the future especially if the same angels that did it before are doing it again. Uh, but we don't know. And, the, you know, so like, could the Antichrist be a Nephilim? It's possible. I don't know. I don't know. It's possible. It's, those, these are all things that, you know, it's fun to think about yeah. them. They're not, uh, but make sure you're spending more time thinking about what's really important than you do thinking. There are a bunch of preachers who love to just talk about this. About this reality, like just this kind of stuff, and this is all they preach about. These travel all over the world, and they preach about this. And I'm going, that's not Bible. We don't have time. <laughs> we need to be telling people about the gospel. <laughs> we don't need to be talking about. I mean, I think it's fun to talk about it, and I think it's fun to discuss it. But we should be spending way more of our time, energy, and money trying to get people to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ than we ever should in 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 thinking about you know the Nephilim or whatever else. Part of this whole thing is um, it's one explanation for like the the alien abduction kind of stuff. Okay, there are people that would tell you just normal everyday people would tell you they were abducted by aliens, and some of them, like some of the women, would say that they were actually impregnated by aliens, and then the babies were taken away. Well, I mean, all this kind of stuff, and and it's to the point where it can't be ignored. I don't, I don't believe in aliens. Let me just be straight up. <clears throat> but I do think that this, this looks like that. I mean, isn't that what it looks like? Okay, these beings come from the sky and impregnate human women and, you know, make this hybrid, these hybrid children that, you know, whatever. I mean, that sound, this sounds like that to me. And so a lot of the people that are kind of going back to Genesis 6 and going, hmm, they're saying this is real and it's this. Plus... Uh, without fail, the people who are that say that they've been abducted by aliens, etc., have all been connected with the occult at some time in their past. They've all done played Dungeons and Dragons, or been involved in Wicca, or uh, or you know been involved with seances or whatever. They've all had those kind of connections <laughs> in their past. They've made invitation to angelic beings yeah. to come and be a part of their life. And now later on, what happens? Oh, and so I think it's interesting. I read this guy who is, he's a Christian psychologist and he primarily treats people who have been abducted, who say they've been abducted by aliens. That's like his, that's his primary practice. He travels all over the country and treats these people and he tells them the truth. This was not an alien that this was a demonic entity that you invited into your life. And if you give your life to Christ, you can end their influence over your life right now. Um, 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But he said he's never met a born-again Christian who is currently experiencing any kind of uh, demonic or UFO, whatever kind of stuff. I think it's fascinating. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, you want to know more? There's a trillion videos on YouTube. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my favorite ones. I love I love looking at them just to see the kook balls. I love I love I love conspiracy theory stuff. It just I just love it. I just I just think it's theory that I want to ask you about. Yeah. So I read this theory that um it like wouldn't really it wouldn't really make sense for angels to have gender because they don't have any like Okay. Like, it kind of makes sense, I guess. Every angel that is talked about in Scripture is male. Yeah. But Jesus says they're not married, nor are they given in marriage. He does not say that they are genderless. He just says that they're neither married nor given in marriage. That's all. So, does that mean that they're not male? I don't know. <laughs> they are not the same species as us. So I don't know that you can really make that kind of a, yeah, you know. Then how would they we don't believe. Huh? That's a, yeah, well, that's most, true. I mean, it, it, there's, who knows? I mean, there's lots of different. I mean, if they're male, they're male. I mean, it's different kinds of angels. <laughs> there are apparently multiple species of angel also. For, from what we can tell. I mean, yes, we have the, the revelation... Uh, four and five uh, seraphim, the burning ones, yeah. who have six wings and four faces and covered with eyes, and just their whole job is four. Okay. We oh, believe yeah. there were five because we believe Satan was one. Yes. <laughs> um, another interesting thing the book of Enoch says is that while there are fallen angels on the earth, that when the Bible refers to something as an evil spirit, that it's actually the disembodied spirit of one of these Nephilim that were killed in the flood and not a, not a fallen angel. Interesting, isn't it? So I don't know if I agree with it or not, but I mean, or, or, but the book of Enoch says that. It does not say that anywhere else. So there are people that would agree with that. I don't think it makes any difference, to be honest. They're still evil spirits and we still have authority over them. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see <coughs> and everything whenever I get to heaven, but I'm also pretty excited to see like angels. That'll be pretty cool. I have. I still ask the Lord for angelic visitations. Although I think, I think if we ever did have an angelic visitation, we would be. I mean, it's a frightening experience. Yeah, it's not. Your dad was talking about one one time, and uh, it sounded pretty dope. Well, yeah, he had, he had, he's had a couple of times. He had one time where these this couple was yeah, in the church, the and they were in disguise. They were not like yeah, yeah, yeah. fully glorified angelic beings. Like, yeah, ah! awesome. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that would be really scary. Truth is, every single person in here may have encountered an angel that was. I mean, that's because the 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 Bible says that we often entertain angels unaware. So we may have. I think so. Yeah. Why do you like? Because like that's in the Bible, like we often entertain angels. But like, why do you think that is? Like, angels are not interested in being worshipped. Yeah. And so they wouldn't. And and you know they're beyond us. And so when we, 
I mean, even the Apostle John, in the midst of a vision, in he's, he is he is it's a completely open vision. He is physically in the throne room of God. Okay, he's got God the Father seated on his throne in front of him, and still an angel reveals something to John, and John starts worshiping the angel. Okay. Not because he's like, oh, I want to worship an angel, but just because he's overwhelmed by what he's just seen. Yeah. And the angel's like, no, 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 no. Do not worship me. You know, and so I think that, <clears throat> I think that, you know, I think that's just, he says to John, I'm just a servant like you. Do, do not worship me. And so I think that that's most of the reason why angels stay secretive, because um, they do not want, they do not want to be worshiped. In any way, shape. They want to bring glory and honor to God. And so when God asks them to do things, unless I think unless he directly commands that they reveal themselves, that they won't. That's just my guess. But every time we see in Scripture, you know, <clears throat> where an angel, uh, there, there's multiple times where angels seem to be at work, where, they, where, where the only reason we know that is because the Bible says that they are. We the, the, the people that are involved in what's going on do not experience anything of their presence. So, like, I mean, I think about stories from the mission field about where, you know, uh, people, like, come up, like, there's some missionaries camped in the jungle somewhere, and these bad guys come up to attack the missionaries, and they look and they see all these armed guards, like, standing around the missionary camp, and they're like, ah, so they'd run. And then, but there weren't any armed guards yeah. that were, no human armed guards anyway. They were angelic beings that were stationed around, okay? And so many times, like, you know, when we talk about uh, some of the battles that Israel fought where God would, like, decimate the army, and then they would just, like, they just walked out and found the army all dead or run away, and they're like, what happened? <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, so so I just, I think that's why. That's just a guess, but that's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, so my town has, like, a lot of, like, demonic and uh, Indian heritage, and uh, so my mom was praying for, <coughs> it was like when we first got to our church, and uh, my mom was praying for, like, protection over the property and our church and everything like that, and she said she saw, like, a vision of the of four like gigantic angels with like huge wings and like these huge swords just like facing down like at all four corners of our property. Mm. So it'd be super cool. Yeah, I uh I mean I've had this stuff. Before. I've had a couple of I've never I've only had one open vision in my life really where I, it was like a movie. Yeah. That's what and, she said. And and that there were angels involved in that. Um but uh, but that's that's the only and they just look like people really I mean they were kind of glittery but they look like people <laughs> you know there was no, no there was people. there was no wings they just look like people um, one of them was several hundred feet tall <laughs> was standing yeah like his feet were over the horizon but I could see like his head and shoulders. <laughs> she said they were like just huge like that and they had like golden armor on and it just looked, I mean. Uh, he just had white the picture that I'm making in my, in my but head anyway so cool. and then I've seen I, I've had the Lord like show me if you ever like stared at a at a light for a long time and then you look away and it's still there yeah. okay I've had that kind of like after image kind of thing where I, I see something moving there's something going on and that's all it looks like it doesn't look like an actual physical form but the Lord's like I'm showing you the, this angel that's doing this right now but you know, so I, but never like, I haven't, 
that's that's it. I've never been face to face like in a room with an angelic being, and I don't know that I want to be. I mean, to be honest, I think it would scare the crap out of me. I really do. I, I think it would scare me, but it'd be awesome. You'd, and until you have had, I I've I've been in the place of the abject terror of the glory of God, yeah. and 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 it's not a pleasant experience, man. It's not. It it's life, like I mean. it absolutely changed my life. But I I was also completely scared. I mean, like I thought I was gonna die, and so I don't know. We're not gonna tell the story. I want to get to Romans five, but. <laughs> Well, no, it's fine. I just I, I I love talking with you guys. I'm always open to that. Can you just answer my question? Yes. Yes or no? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there any way we can be angels? Like, no, we're gonna be angels. No, we're in nope. What about are they gonna be? Our you friends? don't want to be an angel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we will be able to speak to them. I think we will be able to con- to to have relationships with them. I think that that will happen. I can't wait to meet my guardian angel. Like. Like you know what I mean? Like, like he's been hanging around. This he's been hanging around with me my whole life. He's probably he's protected me thousands of times. I mean, I had a I had a friend who had a dream, and and in this dream, this he was I was teaching a class or something, and uh, and my friend was sitting in the class. And this guy comes over and sits down next to my friend. And he was much younger than me, and I was trying to—I was discipling him. This guy came over and sat down next to my friend and kind of elbows him like this and says, "You see that guy?" And my friend's like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's my—that's my youth pastor." And the guy was like, "I've known him his whole life. You need to listen to him." And then disappeared in the dream. And my friend honestly believes that it was my guardian angel speaking to him in a dream. <laughs> is that interesting? I was like, I was like, well, that's fascinating. I don't know if it's true or not, but who knows? I mean, so does every human have a guardian angel? Two. Two. <laughs> okay, so what? Really quick question. You will. They're like, dude, get some dumplings on her, Dynamic trio. All right. Okay. And the angels of children see the face of God every day, Jesus said. So. So whenever you hit, like, a certain age, like, those angels, like, switch out? Or, like, yeah, then they're, like, mad. Like, I don't get to see God's face every day anymore because. Wait, so they were there? Uh, that, was, that was old dude, was super dumb. I don't know. <laughs> we don't really know. We don't. <laughs> no, not like inside not out Not even close to like inside but, out. No, more like, what's the movie? What's that movie with Robert Downey Jr. where those ghosts are, like, hanging out with him? Um, no. Casper? No. Yes. There's a movie, it's an early Robert Downey Jr. And and he plays this they they there's this bus accident and a bunch of people get killed. No. And and these four people, they're dead, but they have unfinished business, and so they're like connected to this kid and they're with him as the whole time he grows up and and anyway, it's it's a great movie. It's really fun. It's a really great. You didn't. You honestly didn't know you had. I didn't even know we had one. Where does it say that in the Bible? I'm, I don't remember, but it's there. Are they listening to me right now? Are they listening? Yes. Can you talk to them? I I do every once in a while. Like define talk. But but I don't. But what I will say is I don't. I don't expect them to speak back to me. I don't think we're supposed to converse with them. I don't think it's like that. 
So when we talk to ourselves, you're not talking to an angel, you're talking to the world. <laughs> no, you're still weird. doesn't change. I talk to myself all the time. Me too. Okay. As my guardian angels could attest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I assume so. I really don't know. That is cool. It's also a little scary. A little bit, cause I'm gonna say a lot. I mean, the truth is that God sees everything you do too, and every person every talking to yourself is not that's okay. Awesome. No, I'm sorry, first, first person talking. To it is okay. I do that too. I hate third person talking. Now, Josh, you know that was a stupid idea. Yeah. We're still talking about angels. I figured that would be wrapped up pretty quick. But remember last week we mentioned like Harad and how he was struck down by an angel. Yes. Well, me and Storm were talking a few days ago, and we were like talking about like the New Testament covenant and talking about like, if God still does that kind of stuff. And we were like, well, you know, we don't really see angels, so we wonder how many times someone might have died of natural causes and were actually struck down by yeah. angels. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it definitely happens. Um, uh, it definitely happens in this in this day and age. I mean, yeah. I believe there are people who... This might, this might... I don't This might rattle you a little bit, but I, I believe that there are... That, that sometimes God will allow you to die what would seem like early because he knows that if you continued in that path of life that you would end up turning away and that God's actually saving you by killing, by, by, by allowing you to die before you should. <laughs> that, that he knows that, that repent, that like, I don't know. I think there. Are, I think that God does things like that. I really do, and I don't know. Angels might be involved. I, I really. I don't know. There's so much we don't know about angels. There's so much we don't understand. The Bible does not talk about them very much at all. But the the yeah, heart and souls. That's it. It's a great movie. So does honestly. everyone have guardian angels, or just the same people have guardian angels? I'm not sure. I'm just curious. Cause I'm thinking about like all the dictators and people that like. Now, on the other side of that, on the flip side of that coin, you also need to realize that you probably have demonic entities that are assigned to you as well. Now, does that mean they're with you? Does that mean they're with you every minute of the day? I don't know. I don't know that that's true about the guardian angels either, if they're with you every minute of the day either. But, I, but, but, uh, <coughs> but. The Bible talks about demons being assigned to places and people and countries and things like that. So we need to get come to terms with the reality that there is an invisible world all around us all the time that we're constantly interacting with that that has it has it's not the upside down that, that has it it dramatically affects our lives. It affects the way you feel when you wake up in the morning. It affects your emotional state. It affects, okay, there, there's, there are spiritual atmospheres, okay, that are cultivated around people, around places. Have you ever walked into a place and you just sensed demonic activity in the okay? The, the worst place I've ever been, the place that really, really, I mean, made me physically ill was in the, the National Cathedral of Mexico. City. I walked into that place and I immediately started gagging and started. I was going to puke all over that marble floor. I was very close. I, I had to run out because I was sick to my stomach. I was, I was my head was spinning. I was sick. 
I had to do that in in Guadalajara also, yeah. but but uh, it wasn't nearly so bad in Guadalajara as it yeah. was in Mexico City. But you need to understand that we are constantly interacting. You are a being of multiple dimensions. You are a being who stretches all the way up into we are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. We stretch down through the angelic realm because we're spiritual beings and we exist in the physical realm. Okay? The first time that I went to Mexico, I was on the beach of Lake Chapala and we were praying and and the Lord, I feel this feeling like somebody's grabbing the top of my head and just pulling me up like this. And I'm like, what is, what is that? And I thought maybe it was like I was dizzy because it's, the elevation is pretty high and whatever. I didn't know what it was. And the Lord said, the Lord said, I'm stretching your awareness into the angelic and up into the throne room. He said, and the whole time you're here, he said, really, Josh, I want you to be this way all the time. I want you to be constantly aware of all three heavens at once. And I was like, I, I don't understand that. And the Lord was like, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places and you're standing with your feet on the earth. And so you are in the angelic realm as well. You're stretching through it. Okay, so our, our spiritual existence goes beyond this stuff, okay? And it goes into the spirit realm. And we are because we are saved, we're seated with Christ actually in the throne room of God. This is why we're here on the earth right now. Understand this. The purpose of the church on the earth is to be the portal of heaven into the earth via faith. Faith is how we bring the invisible into the visible. That's how we do it. Okay, I'm really just beginning to learn about this. But while we're there, while we were there in Mexico, we went to this place that was unbelievably poverty-stricken. I mean, just ridiculous. And I'm walking around. The whole time I was there, I was sensing spiritual atmospheres like I never had in my life. I mean, like, I would just walk past a house, and I would know that there are saved people in that house. Like, I, that, that, was, that was how, like, was like, wow, I could really, really sense. The Lord was just making sure I stayed open and aware of the, of the atmosphere um, everywhere we went. And I went to this town in Mexico, and we're there, and we're walking the streets, and I'm sensing this just crazy spiritual static. It was the atmosphere over this, over this town was crazy. And I'm going, Holy Spirit, help me understand um, when I, a lot of times when I talk to the Holy Spirit, I put my hand right here because that's where he is. So um, I'm like, Holy Spirit, help me understand what I'm sensing right now. Help me, under, help me understand what's, what's happening in the spirit realm. I'm feeling something, but I don't know what it is. And the Lord said to me, it's that you're sensing the spirit of poverty over this region. And it has got a stranglehold on this region. He said it, it, it confuses the minds of every person in this region including the men and women who belong to me. They are underneath this thing. Yeah. Was it Mescala? I don't remember. Might have been. Um, <clears throat> but I'm there. And I'm just like, man, it was, it was powerful. And I, so I started asking the Lord. You know, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, just rebuke the enemy. You know what? And then I started praying. So I kind of went, I kind of trailed behind the team. And I'm back there and I'm, I'm doing spiritual warfare. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, in the name of Jesus, you know, I was just saying, I just, I just speak against the spirit of poverty in this place. And 
and I speak blessing over this place. And then I said this phrase. I said, let the demonic authority in this region be dethroned and let angelic authority be put in place. And the Holy Spirit went, stop. I went, whoa. It was like, it was this, it was like this flashing red light in my, in my heart. Just like, no. I said, what, 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 what? He said, no, I have not ordained that angels should have authority over any place on the planet. I said, then who, what, what? He said, ask that men and women of faith rise up and take the authority that I've given them in the name of Jesus. And I was just like, that just rattled me. I went, oh, because all of a sudden I realized how many places on the earth, there is no reason why there should be, there's no reason why there should be a demonic atmosphere over any place when God has put kings and priests in that place to rule over the atmosphere of it. Does that make sense? God has placed men and women of faith in these places and hit their job, our job in that place is to stand up in the angelic realm and speak <laughs> blessing over, over that place, seeing the goodness of God over that place and dethrone the principalities and powers because that's, that's who we are. Uh, just, just, uh, Saturday night I was, uh, sleeping and I woke up and there was this crazy atmosphere of fear over me and over my house. And it was thick, like a fog. I was just rattled. I was like, what's going on? I was, I was stirred up and I was afraid and, and I was really scared. And I kept, I got up and I went downstairs and I began to pray and I kept getting this sense that the enemy was creeping up behind me. So I kept like turning around and going, no, you cannot come. You know what I'm speaking things over this house and, and things were moving, but not, there wasn't the lift of this atmosphere. There was, I could tell stuff was happening, but there was still this crazy oppression of fear. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? And he said to me, begin to praise. He said, begin to, to speak and sing my praises over this place. Agree with what I say of myself. And then he said to me, this is what I want you to sing. That God is good and his love endures forever. And I was like, okay. So I began to say that. I began to say, God, you are good and your love endures forever. And it was like somebody dropped a freaking bomb. It was just, the atmosphere just blew off the house. I was just like, whoa. And just the more I did that, the brighter the atmosphere was and the presence of God was really strong. The next morning I went to church and we have pre-service prayer from 9.30 to 9.25 to 9.55. A half hour where right before service, because service starts at 10, a half hour where we're going to cleanse the atmosphere over the church so that when church service starts, God can just get moving right away. And so, um, and everybody's invited to come and pray. And so we're, we're, I, I went to, I usually go to one of the Psalms and pray from the Psalms and the Lord was like, nope. He said, I just want you to pray that prayer I gave you from last night. Mm-hmm. And so we began to just speak this. God is good and his love endures forever. Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. And we just began to sing that and speak that and shout that and, and ask God to remove every place inside of us that didn't believe that. And, and Sunday morning was just a powerful service. We had like nine people get healed 
in service on Sunday. And I only have 150 people in my congregation, so that's, that is a huge deal. That's like almost 10% of people. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, it was it was nuts. We did, uh, we pray, praise and worship was explosive. And then we get to this place, and I was sensing crazy faith in the room, so I was like, let's get some people healed. So I had the church pray for each other, and then I'm like, if you're at least 80% better, raise your hand. And like, and nine people raised their hand. I was just like, oh my gosh. It was so awesome. And, and, and the Lord said to me, this is, this is how you do battle, right here. You agree with what I say about myself. Stand in agreement with heaven and the kingdom of this earth and the demonic realm have no authority because I'm in alignment with heaven. So authority comes exploding out of me. Does that make sense? That's why Joshua and the Israelites were told to shout when they went around. That's why... Uh, it's just, that's how this works. Our greatest authority is when we stand behind our daddy and say, what he said, what he said, that's when authority is, is unleashed. All right, let's go to Romans chapter five, since it's already 1030. <coughs> There's no way we're going to make it all the way through this now, but not that there was ever any way we were going to make it all the way through it. Hey, we did it last week. Yeah, but that was Romans chapter 4. This is Romans chapter 5. And there is a, a lot of really deep stuff in Romans chapter 5. Like well, no, 5, 6, 7, and 8. 5, 6, 7, 8. 8 is by far my favorite. But, but you, need, you need 5, 6, and 7 to really, really enjoy 8. So, come on now. Eight is explosive. It's just incredible. If you, see, if I could, I could spend the rest of my life just studying Romans eight. Really, I could. I wouldn't be a very well-rounded. Looks like well-rounded preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna preach Romans eight for the rest of my. Honestly, honestly, I think we be fine. All right, Romans 5. Father, I thank you for your presence. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you're teaching us about the authority that we have in your name. And Lord, we say the truth. We, we agree with you. God, you are good. And your love endures forever. Lord, I pray that that reality would resonate in us. I pray we would feel it. We would believe it. We would stand in it. We would shout it from the rooftops. God, you are good. And your love endures forever. We agree with everything that you have said about yourself. We agree. We stand in agreement right now in this room with everything you've said about yourself. You are good. And your love endures forever. And Lord, right now, we ask for an open heaven over this place. We declare that, that the heavens, the atmosphere over this room is open right now for divine revelation of the spirit and the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come and to flood this place. And in these last few moments that we have, Lord, we ask that you would give us something unbelievable, something beautiful, something that we will never lose. Lord, give us a little taste of that inheritance that's kept in heaven for us where nothing can steal it from us. Lord, I pray we would, we would store up treasure in heaven in these next few minutes in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. This first verse, I could spend the rest of our time just in this first verse, and I might. Okay. <laughs> We've got, because this first verse is... Is, is absolutely 
life-changing when we understand it. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the New American Standard. doesn't matter what version it is, it's still life-changing. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You might say, and? No, there's, that's not an and. Do you, you don't understand. None of us does. I don't understand. How destructive, how ugly, how powerful my personal sin is. We don't understand the, the depth of the evil that is my sin. Me. My personal sin is a blight upon the universe. If my, my sin, just mine, nobody else's, just my sin were allowed to exist without punishment, forgiveness, or Without punishment or, or well, no, without punishment. We'll just leave it at that because either it has to be punished in on the cross with Jesus or it has to be punished in, inter- in eternity in hell. If my sin was allowed to exist without an answer from the glory of God, the universe would cease to exist. That's the truth. If my sin, and let's get it even smaller, If the one sinful thought that I have thought in the first five minutes of my day this morning, if that one thing was allowed to continue and not be answered by the glory of God, the universe would cease to exist, period. Because the universe only exists because of the worth and the value of the glory of God. And my sin devalues the glory of God. Okay? Imagine a building that is built on a foundation. Okay? And that foundation is all of the weight of that building rests on that foundation. That foundation gives the building its strength and it gives the building its structure because the foundation outlines the outline of the building. The the, the, the building can be within the limits of the foundation, but not outside of it. Does this make sense? Okay. Now imagine someone just drops a drop of something, acid, whatever, super acid, on the foundation, and the whole foundation ceases to exist. What's going to happen to the building? It's going to disintegrate. It's going to fall down. It cannot stand on its own. It needs that. Well, the glory of God is the foundation under the universe because the glory of God is why the universe exists. The universe exists to display, to honor, and to uh, show forth the glory of God. Okay? That's all over scripture. I can show you where it is everywhere. I could, I mean, my favorite place is in Romans chapter 1 where it says that God has shown us his invisible attributes (coughs) by what has been made. Okay? So this is why the universe exists. It exists to glorify God. It exists to manifest the worth of the glory of God. One of the ways I like to say it is this, God, God's glory is the treasure that bought the universe. Okay, we've got to understand that that's reality. And sin, 
every sin, any sin, all sin, does the same thing. It puts something else as more important than God. That's what it does. So it devalues the glory of God. And if it's allowed to stay that way, if a statement, an action, a thought, any kind of ripple of sin anywhere, is al- anything is allowed to devalue the glory of God in any way, shape, or form, eventually the universe will cease to exist. Because this is why it exists. Does this make sense to everyone? We One sin, only one, Okay, so it is right and just and loving for God to hate sin. You see why he does? Do you see why he does? We are not connected in any way. We are so emotionally disconnected with how foul our sin actually is. We're so disconnected with how disgusting it is. We're so disconnected with how destructive it is. The reason we're disconnected with how destructive and how ugly and how disgusting it is is because we're disconnected from how glorious God's glory is. As we begin to understand the worth of the glory of God, we begin to understand the darkness of our sin. And the more we see and experience and understand the great worth of the glory of God, the more our sin will look absolutely terrible. There are not human words which are good enough to express the, the, what, how disgusting sin is. And there aren't human words that are good enough to express the glory of God and the worth of the glory of God. That there aren't. So for the Apostle Paul, so because of our little sins, because of any any of our sin ever, because of it, the wrath of God is set against us because my stupid decisions could destroy the universe if left unanswered. Will destroy the universe if left unanswered. Everything that exists will cease to exist forever because of my sin if it's left unanswered. Now, how could a loving creator God be okay with just letting sin go on? He can't. He created us. He loves us. And anything that is out to destroy us, he hates and he wants to eradicate. Therefore, he hates our sin. And his wrath is set up against our sin. He will unleash his omnipotent power to destroy all, to answer our sin. When I say answer, this is what I mean. It has to be proven that God's worth is greater than the worth of whatever we valued above him. And it has to be answered. Sin has to be, has to be responded to. It can't just be left to just fly out. It has to be stopped. It has to be cleansed. The price has to be paid. The damage has to be undone. God has to answer. Hell is God's answer. People look at hell 
and they say, how could a loving God do that? You don't understand the worth of the glory of God. You don't understand the absolute depravity of your sin. The more of a view we, we get to the worth of the glory of God, and the more of a view we get to the depravity of our sin, the more hell makes perfect sense. And there's a reason why people who are not saved, and a lot of people who are, look at hell and think, well, that's an overreaction. Eternal torment, well, that's an overreaction. Wrong. Wrong. Eternal torment is not an overreaction to the devaluing of the glory of God. It is the only appropriate reaction to the devaluing of the glory of God. Because that's how worth, that's how much worth his glory has. You understand? Now it is the default mode of the human heart to honestly believe that human worth is somewhere near the worth of God. It's the, it is. It's just easy. We look at we look at our brothers and sisters, we look at humankind, we look at men and women, and we say, we say, how could God send him to hell? How could God send any of us to hell? What a devaluing of the worth of man. How could God eternally torment a living soul? Because when we say that and when we feel that, and guys, I feel it too. But when I do that, what I am revealing is my deplorable lack of understanding of the worth of the glory of God. Because it is far above and beyond the worth of man. The glory of God, the worth of God is far above and beyond the worth of man. God's glory is worth more than every human that has ever lived and drawn breath. If every human were to be sent to hell to defend the glory of God, that would be just, right, righteous, and holy. Understand, that's the truth. And that is not an easy truth. If that doesn't offend you, then you're not listening to me. That should offend you a little bit. You're a human. And you look at the 7 billion people on the planet right now, and I just said all of them going to hell was not, was, is worth it if God is being glorified. That's what I just said. That is a shocking statement. That is, to, to the normal human heart, if an atheist were sitting in here right now, he'd be throwing things at me, saying you're an idiot, you don't understand anything, you're a horrible person. And that would be the truth if God's worth was not what it is. But it is. We understand the difference of worth. How many of you flinch at killing a fly? Is there anybody in this room that's like, I don't want to kill the fly, it's so precious? Anybody? Anybody? Do we have... Do we have... Let's go to the next level. Do we have... Do we have any vegetarians in this room because meat is cruelty to animals? I mean, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, that's so sad. But then it also tastes really good. Exactly. <laughs> it's like Jim, Je Jim Gaffigan said. He said, people ask me, do you know what they do to those chickens? And I'm like, no, but it's delicious. 
<laughs> what about dogs and cats? <laughs> but let's go to the next level. Okay, so let me ask you a question. You you would kill a fly in an instant. It's buzzing around. You're like, shut up. You kill it. You don't think twice about it. It's dead. You know, not important to you, right? But that's a living thing. You didn't realize that. It has a, a consciousness of some kind or another. It's a, it is a living being. You, you do realize that, right? Okay, that fly is alive until you kill it. All right? <laughs> Understand? Well, I'm just saying. It has life, okay? But then, how, how easy would it be for you to kill a dog? Oh. 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 All of a sudden. See, I have to fight this fight at home. <laughs> I, I do have to fight this fight at home. Now, I'm not cruel to my dog in any way, shape, or form, but I don't like her. I'm not, I'm not an animal person. And when I do things, like I'm like, the dog will be fine outside until we get home. You know, not when it's like too below, but it's a, nor- you know, it's a temperate degree outside. I'm like, she was built to be outside in this kind of weather all day and all night, and she'll be fine. And my wife is like, I'm just worried about her. I'm like, it's a dog. <laughs> Okay. Do you see the difference between how we value a fly and how we value a dog? We value the dog millions of times more than we value a fly. Now let me ask you, how much more do you value a human than you value a dog? Unfortunately. Okay. And I'm not talking about, but just in the general scale of things, if you had to make a decision, here's a dog, here's a human. Okay. The dog is a friend. The human is a friend. You have to kill one of them. Which one are you going to kill? Depends on what human. I'm saying that's what I just said. But see, that is a that's a terrible statement. I know. That's a terrible. I don't care. I don't care if it's Hitler standing in front of you. The answer is I kill the dog. Period. It doesn't matter. The answer is I kill the dog because we've got a human being, and created in the image of God, and then we have a dog. Okay, which one do we kill? If we're starving to death, we can feed the dog or we can feed our kid. What are you going to do? Okay, think about it for just a minute. Okay, we obviously understand. We have an understanding of the difference of value between one living being and another. We understand it. Yes or no? Okay. Now, I want you to think of the distance between a paramecium and the archangel Michael. Okay, in value. I want you to think of that. The Bible says we were created just a little lower than the angels. So I'm going to go beyond us to the highest order of angel that we know of. Okay, the difference, think, think in evolutionary terms, the difference in com- complexity and worth and value between a paramecium and the archangel Michael. I want you to think about that. Okay. God is infinitely more worth, has infinitely more worth than the Archangel Michael. That should give you some understanding of the worth of the value of the glory of God. That should help you understand it. That should give you a, a general scale. We've got all created beings, <laughs> and then God, who created everything, was not created. There's a... I, I, a lot of times when I talk about him, I will call him the uncreated God because it separates him from us. He is not like us. We're a little bit like him. 
but he is not like us. He is wholly other than. Do you know what the word holy means? H-O-L-Y. Do you know what that means? Okay. It means completely 100% in another category from everything else. Infinitely different. That's what holy means. Now that has connotations when it comes to God, when we talk about holy. And that means that he is morally perfect. He's never sinned. He cannot sin. And in his presence, sin is destroyed because he cannot sin. Okay? That means a lot of things. But the, 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 the aspect of holy that I want you to understand is that infinitely different than everything else. Are you with me on this? So when our sin comes into the equation, all of God, all of him, all of his all of his power, all of his glory, all of his being is set in opposition to our sin. Every ounce of God who is bigger than the universe, which most scientists believe is infinite. Every ounce of him hates our sin. But the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, chapter 1 says this, we have peace with God. What? What? How? All of a sudden, every ounce of God poor is, is set in opposition, in hatred and in wrath against my sin. And now all of a sudden, because of I have been justified by faith, all of a sudden, He's on my side. He no longer hates anything about me. He adores me. He's my Abba. It's because when we're justified, it's just as if we never sinned. That means sin is no longer connected to me in any way, shape, or form. And therefore, all of God loves me. Now, here's the truth. All of God loved me before, but all of God hated my sin. And because my sin and I were inseparable. But now my sin has been dealt with in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because I had faith in what God was going to do, the cross of Jesus came, absorbed my sin and took it away from me. And dealt with it, killed it, did what hell would have done. It's paid for. Now, all of God is infinitely free to infinitely adore me. Do you see why I say that this phrase right here is massive? If we understand the darkness and the depravity of our sin, and we understand the, the worth of the glory of God at the same time, and then we are able to honestly stand and say with the Apostle Paul, I've been justified by faith. I have peace with God. The God who should hate me loves me. It's unbelievable. It's, it should rattle you to your core. Because I don't deserve to have peace with God, but I do. I don't deserve for him to think of me as anything but the cancer of the universe. And yet, he adores me. Do you know what cancer is? 
You see, all of the universe was created based on God's DNA. Just like every cell in your body carries your full genetic code. Okay? Cancer is when one of your cells mutates and takes on a different genetic code, just slightly different from yours, and tries to become a creature on its own with its own DNA. That's what cancer is. And when a couple of those cells peel off and get lost in your bloodstream and they go and they settle somewhere else in your body, that's how, that's how cancer spreads. And that's what sin does. Sin takes the DNA of God that you were given when you were created, and it just alters it just one little bit. And then it grows and grows and grows out of control until eventually the original being, the original body, is dead. And the stupid thing about cancer is it kills itself when it kills you. But doesn't sin do the same thing? You see why God hates it? It's the uncreation. It's the anti-creation. That's what sin is. But now my sin has been taken away. I've been made, declared, to be completely holy, 100%, without sin. You and I are as holy as Jesus. I know you're already saying, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are. Is that astounding or what? If you weren't, God couldn't speak to you. If you weren't, you couldn't hear his voice. If you weren't, you couldn't be used by him. You are. You've been declared as holy as Jesus. Oh my gosh. That, that should just do something for you. And it's not because of anything you did. It's because of what Jesus did for you. He gave you his righteousness. And now you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's unbelievable. Verse 2. How much time do we have? Eight minutes. We don't have time to really launch on this very much. but Let's just stop there. Any questions, comments? You have peace with God. How many of you have ever prayed or thought or like come before God and you honestly feel like God's angry with you? You're wrong. He was angry with you. Oh, he was. He was furious with you. He was ready to kill you and send you to hell and torture you forever. That's what he was ready to do. That's He was. That's not Okay, <laughs> he was, but he is not angry with you anymore. Ever since you stepped into the cross, ever since you were mystically unified with Christ through faith, okay, ever since that, that happened, he has not been angry with you since, and he is not angry with you now. God is not mad at you. I just want everybody just close your eyes and raise your hands right now. Right now, I want you to just repeat after me. God is not mad at me. God is not mad at me. Say it again. God is not mad at me. You can put him down. If every Christian understood that, do you know what our prayer life would be like? There's two things that keep us from prayer. 
One is unbelief, and that's probably the biggest one. We honestly don't believe that prayer works. That's why we don't pray. That hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, God told me that about myself. He was like, I was like, Lord, why is it so hard for me to have a regular prayer life? And he said, because you don't believe prayer works. And I was just like, ow! <laughs> okay. But the second thing that keeps us from prayer is shame. Okay. We feel like God's angry with us, so we don't talk to him. But here's the truth. Since you stepped under the blood of Jesus, he has not been angry with you. And he is not angry with you now. And he will never be angry with you again. His wrath has been removed from you. He spent all the wrath and all the punishment, all the anger that he had. He poured it out on his own son. And he has none left for you. That should be the best news ever. You should be jumping up and down. You should be going, God's not mad at me. This is the best news you've ever got. Listen, because he should be. <coughs> and he's not. God's not mad at you. He is pleased with you. You are. <laughs> he looks at you, even you ladies, and says, there is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Because when you smile up at him, Jesus is smiling up at him. Because you've been mystically unified with Christ through faith. In God's eyes, you are Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like if we really believed and understood that? That I am walking around on the planet. I am carrying the identity of Jesus. Like, he gave me his credit card. He gave me his ID. He gave me his fingerprints. And I can go into any store and I can use Jesus' account to buy anything. I can go anywhere and do the things that Jesus could have done. That means calling dead people back to life. That means opening blind eyes. That means opening deaf ears. That means healing the sick. That means casting out demons. That means all of it. Why? Because of the cross and, your, and his resurrection, you have his resurrection life exploding through you right now. The more we believe that, the more access we have to it. And the more we believe it, the greater the flow of the rivers of living water are going to come pouring out of our bellies, like Jesus told us. Oh, oops. No. I was going to eat that later. I still will, but I'm going to need to clean that up. <laughs> no. Do you understand? Oh, man. <laughs> Salvation is a thousand billion, trillion times better than we could possibly, than you've ever thought it was. Belonging to Jesus is so many times better than you ever thought it was. It just is. And people used to say, thank you, Preston. And people used to say to me, oh, church is boring, Christianity is boring. I just go, are you insane? I have living inside my body, the third person of the Trinity, uncreated God with all power. He could 
he can take whole galaxies and just ball them up and throw them through a basketball hoop. I mean, God, Which would be cool. you know, this is, this is God. The Bible says that he weighs the mountains in a scale. Okay, that guy is living in my flesh. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And you say it's boring? Are you out of your mind? Now, do, do I have enough faith at this stage in my life to actually see the full manifestation of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? No, unfortunately I don't, but I'm working on it. But regardless of my faith level, that's still true. I still have the third person of the Trinity living inside of me. The only difference is faith enables him to manifest himself through me. Right now, my, my primary like thing that God and I are working on right now is I want more faith. I want to understand faith. I want to gain more. Because I am telling you, Truth is, I want to go beyond that. Because Jesus said, if you have the faith of God, you can say to this mountain, be uprooted and thrown into the sea. That's how it's written, actually, in the original language. If you have the faith of God. Did we talk about that before? Okay. So I want to learn how to tap into God's faith and see things happen that are truly impossible. And I'm learning. Nine people got healed on Sunday. Now, I didn't pray for all of them. I just encouraged God's people to actually believe that God would do what he said he was going to do. And all of a sudden, power was set loose in our room, and nine people get healed. I'm telling you, there is no miracle that is unaccessible to you. There is no impossibility to those who honestly believe that God will do what he wants to do. There's nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. But we have to believe it. I'm looking forward to the days when the miracles of Samson and Elijah and Jesus and the Apostle Paul and Peter, when I'm operating in all of those. I want to kill a lion with my bare hands. I I think that's going to be pretty cool. You know what I'm talking about? I want to pick up the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand guys. I mean, come on. Man goes on spree serial killers with a jawbone. I mean, not not on purpose. Like they would get. Understand? Listen up. Here's the deal. This is what the Lord said to me. I have not had a demonic attack like the one I had last Saturday night in a very long time. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said. He said, you need to understand, the more you push into faith and the more you push into the supernatural, the bigger a target you make yourself for the enemy. I think that's what this is about right now. Yeah. He said, you, there's this scene in the New Testament where these, these seven sons of Sceva, I think they were called, had been casting out demons in the name of Jesus and they go into this one guy who's demon-possessed. And they say, in the name of Jesus, whom the Apostle Paul preaches, come out. And the demons just look at them and say, we know who Jesus is, and we've heard of Paul, but we don't know you. 
So they beat the living crap out of the guy and send them running out naked. <laughs> I want demons to know my name. I want to have a reputation in the heavens. You know what I mean? I want I want to have a reputation in the heavens. I want the forces of darkness to consider me a threat. I don't know how you feel about that. Because the truth is, I'm not afraid of them. Because God is good and his love endures forever. Um, do you think that they responded like that because uh, they didn't know Jesus themselves? Is that why it was? Yeah, they had no authority. They weren't followers of Jesus. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I thought. But no, I, they were Jew, they were Jewish leaders. They weren't they weren't I followers heard that of Jesus. Story for a long time. They weren't followers of Jesus. They were just using Jesus' name to like yeah. make a name for themselves, which is why the enemy was able to just walk all over them. Yeah. But also tells you the power of Jesus' name because they had been successful up until that time. Yeah. So, but yeah. All right, it's late, guys. I love you all. Have a great day. What?